Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including David Walker, Tim Edwards, Eliko Ella and Eddie Hagen. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to support us from as little as $1 an episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and everything around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 11, Episode 6, and this week we have a progress update on our Smartest Home Challenge. We share what we've done so far. And we'll be highlighting both the peaks and the pitfalls. chaps right happy christmas Ooh. oh yes. yes happy christmas yes indeed was santa good to you i don't know because we were recording this before christmas i know but it's just nice to ask yeah, yeah. He, he was fantastic he, he brought me lots of things lovely as, as my little niece says i must have been very good this year i said why is that because otherwise santa wouldn't have brought me all these presents we go ah oh, child mm. you know she's convinced she can do no wrong because she always <laughs> gets presents <laughs> All right, Blanford. Yes, exciting. Last episode of the year, and we've got a real corker for everybody, I think. It is a, a good-natured chat. Good-natured, possibly. No, this a, is where we're going to size each other's Maybe. Up. We're going to really work out who's been doing a the good stuff. A vociferous debate. Okay, so you and yep. Cloud, just tell us what we're going to talk about this week. No preamble. Let's just get straight, straight into, into it. Straight into it. We're talking about the Smart Home Competition. Halfway through the Smartest Home Competition. Smartest Home Competition. And if you've been following us, I hope you have. We have been at it and I have had to get off my fence and actually go and buy some stuff and get stuck in now. Today, we are going to ask each other how we're getting on, have a status update because as I say, as you say, we're, we're just over halfway through. And then we're going to talk about how we have got on in the context of the marketplace. and What it's taught us about smart homes. Yeah, yeah the learnings, I think. Uh, and I think we've uh, definitely learned a lot. Yeah. Mainly, yeah, just this is turning out to be a proper challenge. Right then. Okay, so, so how are we going to do this? Who's going to volunteer to go first to tell us how they're getting on with their smartest home, Rafe Blanford? Rafe was a Peter Andre. The Peter Andre? Yeah, he peaked very, very soon, oh, I think. And talking about Strictly, right? Any, I, there must be some listeners. I don't know who you're talking about. Strictly Come Dancing in the BBC, very unpopular show. This podcast has got very pop culture all of a sudden. Right, and if you watch that, Peter Andre was doing really, really well at the start. Is he one of the dancers then? No, no, no. He's mysterious girl. Him and Katie Price, the model. No, no, no. sorry. (laughs) I think he's one of the celebrities. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Right. So you don't know who Peter Andre is. So has he beaten John Sargent then? That was seasons ago, man. We've been very distracted. Anyway, you were trying to make a point about Rafe Blanford. I think he's Peter Andre because if you remember, was it episode two? He said, I've done it. Basically, I'm set up. He walks into his bathroom and it plays the weather forecast. Yeah, it was episode four. I don't like to use the word smug, but I just have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that's because Rafe actually brought his phone out um, after we finished recording that episode. Yeah. And he showed me everything working. He said, look, watch this. Bang, the light goes on. You know, watch this. Oh, the light's gone on. It looks really cool. I had nothing. The only thing I had was a Sonos at that point. And now Blanford, I'm way, way, way ahead of you, man. Excellent. Well, I want to hear all about it then, Ewan. Mm-hmm. Right, but 
just tell us how rubbish your current uh, installation yeah, I, is. I insist you go have, first. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Have you done anything else to it? I since? have done some additional things, so okay. I will be able to put, fill Such people as. in about that. Go Such on, Rafe. If you fill us in, you go first. Yeah, come on. So, as people know, I'm vested in uh, Smart Things, which is actually a product from Samsung, although it's a company they recently acquired, and it's still quite separate, and it's a bit of a startup. And you end up with a hub and a bunch of sensors, and you can then start connecting it to things. Mm. I will admit it has been something of a struggle because finding things that are compatible in the UK and work with it has been quite hard work because it only recently launched in the UK, actually back in October. And so there are a lot of things that work in the US but don't work in the UK. And I've had to work out how to sort of install some of the device types and the sort of various things, as they're called, to get them working. But I have tied in a sonar system, various sensors, and I now have light bulbs in various places in the house that uh, switch on and off. And what I've really been experimenting with is installing what they refer to as smart apps. And so this is when something happens on a sensor or a combination of sensors or at a certain time or at sunset or when my presence is detected, it will then carry out a range of things. So It's very Christmassy, isn't it? Mm, it they is detected very... your presence. <laughs> <laughs> it will then set the, and it's actually Philips Hue light bulbs for the most part, to Interesting. a certain scene. And it will even turn them up slowly over time. For example, in the morning, there's a gentle wake up that actually sets the house to morning mode, so it turns off all the security sensors. It starts turning on the lights into, and actually it's matching the kind of sunrise, and then it will uh, turn on the radio as well. And it's also detecting various things in terms of temperatures around the house, warning me when there's low things or if a window is left open. And each of these smart apps, effectively what they're doing is they're taking the various outputs and then combining them with the various things that can do things. So all we've got is some light bulbs and a Samsung Smart Things pack. And it knows when it's cold. No, it's just a temperature thing, right? So is that all you've got? It's got a couple of motion sensors. It's got a... No, hold on. You're talking about the, the Samsung Smart Things starter pack. Is that all you've got? And uh, some light bulbs? No, I've added some bits to that. So Such it's as? also working with the Netatmo weather station, which I talked about before. So that does... No, you already had that. You had uh, that for years. That had, does temperature. So the Netatmo weather station is getting the temperature from outside and it's changing your internal heating accordingly? I, I haven't actually got it connected to the heating because I've decided not to go for the HVAC option right. just at this point in time because that's actually a fairly major investment. That's one of the things I've learned that if you want to install something like Hive or Nest, you actually need to make quite an interest and quite a serious decision, which I think we made difficult for ourselves by making this about 10 weeks because it's actually been upgraded in my case to the heating system itself. It's not something I'm just going to install into the existing heating system. So actually the thing that I've discovered is that in order to be a proper smart home, you actually need it to basically do things without any intervention yourself because the remote control stuff is kind of interesting and that's what I showed you last time, as is the ability to kind of log temperatures and energy consumption and various things like that. But what I found most interesting is actually using the sensors to do things automatically for me. So if I get up in the middle of the night, the light switches on, but it knows that it's the middle of the night, so it only does it to 10%. And you've written a rule that says that? I've effectively written a rule that says that, and it's actually more than a rule. You get up? It's using a motion sensor. Where, though? 
there's actually a couple of motion sensors because I had to think about this quite carefully to make sure it didn't detect me rolling around in bed. Mm. So there's actually two that will have to be triggered before it will actually turn on the lights. And this is what's nice about the smart thing system is you can actually effectively add multiple inputs together to then have an output, something happen, and it can be multiple outputs. And it's smart enough to distinguish whether you're at home or not various days of the week and time. So it has essentially uh, occupancy, but you can also set it into various modes. So at night time, you can have it so none of the sort of automatic rules apply or that a different set of automatic rules apply. And so as I walk around the house, things just happen. So my idea, which I have to admit I haven't quite got to yet, is that I will never have to touch a light switch because it will be intelligent enough to know when I'm in a room, what time it is, what I'm doing, and therefore set it to the right level or to the right mood. You know what that means? That means Rafe's romance mode, doesn't it? Mmm, the temperature's gone hot in here. <laughs> just, well, just detecting the presence of someone else. Exactly. Just slightly warm the lighting. Lock the doors. <laughs> but one of the one of the bits of fun I've had is actually working out how to use the things I have. So, for example, a Sonos can be used as a speaker, and you work out well what things do you actually want it to issue an alert for. So, if I leave the front door open for more than a few minutes it would actually tell me that I've left the door open. And how easy it has been to retrofit all these sensors and things because stuff like light sockets and Philips light bulbs... Just dead easy. Dead easy. You just plug them in and away they go. And they might or may not look attractive, but they work. But door sensors and stuff like that, like, you know, for me, traditionally, that means, you know, power supply is wired up to doors and all that kind of good stuff. So the interesting thing is that it appears with a smart home, there are basically two options. You do it at build time, and yes, you do wire it into the mains. And there are things you you can put a relay in a switch, and that can communicate with the smart things hub, and it's generally Z-Wave or Zigbee. The same would apply for a door lock. And I did look at actually the Yale lock that you can replace a traditional Yale lock with. But in the case of the sensors, most of the time, they're just battery powered by CR232 batteries, and you can just stick them onto the wall using a bit of 3M tape. Now, you can choose to mount them with screws if you're a bit more permanent, but I've actually been trying out various different positions to work out what works best. And He's back to the romance mode again. These, these, these sensors are <laughs> coming in at about 30 quid a time. So mm. actually, when you start putting multiple ones in a room, which you can do, it starts getting expensive pretty quickly, and you do start looking around for other options and in the states smart things has been around a bit longer so there's a whole community around being able to use other sensors and loads which is a big diy place does some starting at ten dollars they're 30 quid for the equivalent thing from smart thing and that's like 50 dollars here isn't it it's a high cost of entry i could easily justify spending five if they were ten dollars a time that's the thing i've also discovered about smart home it's a pretty expensive hobby okay now There's more to say about your smart home, but let's move on and find out how Mr. McLeod has been getting on. Yeah. Okay, well, I equaled Blanford by just pressing the button on smartthings.co.uk. So you just copied me? No, I just just got the Samsung thing. So you just copied me? I didn't copy you, I just leveled you. You did the same thing as me. I just leveled. It's really easy, really simple. Not very imaginative, though, is it, Ben? Well, is smart things a proprietary standard? That's what worries me. No, it's not. So what integration is there into other things? So smart things... It's by design kind of an open standard and actually it's based on having multiple radio technologies. So it's Wi-Fi, Z-Wave, Zigbee, it's also got Bluetooth in it. And the smart apps that you can plug in are by design 
essentially open source and it's designed to work with as many things as possible, but it does rely to a certain extent on either SmartThings or the thing manufacturer actually writing the integration, the plugin. So what stuff are you going to integrate your smart things with? Hold on one minute. The number one and most annoying thing I find with this whole experience buying a smart things starter pack, it's not available on Amazon. I mean, really, really annoying. Uh, It's only available at PC flipping world or you got order directly from them and get the rubbishy logistics system. I mean, really, really poor. Can I just stop you? And this is an episode about smartest home, but on Black Friday, Rafe, messaged us both and said, hey, the smart things is on sale. Yeah. Take a look. That's thought, right. I'm That's not right. going to buy it, but I'm going to go and have a look. It took me seven goes to create an account on <laughs> Samsung.com to be allowed to see their store. My 12-digit long password... I had this problem, yeah. ...created for me by one password, you know, was not complex enough. You know, I, it just really... It said, your password does not have a special character. I thought, well, what do you want? Some kind of cryptic backstory about crime-fighting past. I mean, just... <laughs> God's sake. So it just, it took me bloody ages to get in. And then it was only, I mean, there was a discount, but so anyway. Yeah, so, right, so, so you finally got I into ordered the store. My, was that on a Thursday or a Friday? I ordered mine, I think I ordered it Thursday. Yeah. And it came on Monday. That's it, not bad. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> or I think I, I pressed the button on, uh, yeah, and on so I thought, well, at least it'll come on, on Saturday. No. Sunday, no, obviously, because they're all sleeping. Mm. But then Monday, it eventually inched in. So that was very annoying. It's because you, you like things to arrive 15 minutes after you order them. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I've got the Samsung thing. Now, what I've been doing is sticky tape, because it's it's really, really easy to uh, to set the thing up. Just press a button, bang, 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 done. Yeah. That was great. And then I thought, oh, one of the door switch thing works. I was just kind of playing with it uh, on the desk. My phone goes, oh, someone's opened the door. So I got some tape, stuck it up on the door, and bang. Now, that is really cool. It was very, very, very quick to make the door open the ball and it tells me when the door is open. That's nice. And then I was playing with the actions that would, would happen. Yeah. What I did is I had to travel. So the starter pack comes with a, a presence, key ring, key fob thing. Oh, right, yes. So I put that in my wife's bag. I told her, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Surreptitiously tracking your wife. Well, what's it? And then I plugged in the lamp bedside table, plugged that in to make that automatic. And then I flew off. I activated everything and then had to go and get in the, in the taxi. Um, so I had about 40 minutes just to arse around, mess around, get it done. And then I used the rules after the fact to start making things happen. So it was actually at the Wagamama Heathrow Airport did I actually have everything set up and monitoring and doing things. That, that was pretty cool. I added the Sonos. I found the Sonos, no problem. That's really cool. I love the little dashboard in the, uh, on the Samsung smart things. I've installed it on my Apple Watch, but I haven't tried it. That's been really cool, but I've also been trying some other systems. Have you come across Piper? No, that's a new one to me. Okay, Piper is a home security presence control system. Not entirely proprietary, but it's, it's compatible with a... Is it Aeon... Aeon I want to say Aeon Flux, but what's the... There's a... Insteon. Insteon. Yeah. Insteon. Right. Insteon. Oh, okay, there's a, there's a particular brand that Piper is compatible with, and, and I have received the Piper system, you sit it in the corner of a room and it monitors the external temperature. And now that's monitored by the weather information that it gets. It monitors the internal temperature, uh, monitors noisy. It's got a big camera in it. It's got night mode, night vision. Uh, it's got 180 degree field of vision it itself. It's got the own app set up, it was a breeze. But does it integrate natively with smart things? No. Ah. No, but this is no, the, the, no, but then this is the this, problem this now, thing, right? But then what you can actually do is use the Piper as your hub 
if you like. So it doesn't come with anything you plug in. Piper just connects to your Wi-Fi and, uh, really, really effectively. But you can actually have plugs and light switches, uh, bulbs running from that. Right, but every time you buy a new product, it wants to be the hub and all the things. Well, you have the option of doing it. Now, it's particularly cool. There's a, an alarm. It's got a massive, massive alarm, which I haven't dared try yet, just because I've always been home with children, and I just don't. <laughs> but it says th- there is an option for you. Um, I'm going to show you. You can actually go, alarm, panic, play massive alarm. So at the moment, I'm in different apps. So I've got the Piper system. I'm loving using that because it's really cool because you've got all the different options. So if it's in home mode, so that's an I'm home, right? And you can set all this, and this, this can all be presence uh, activated. Then particular things happen so if it sees movement you know what will it do so i've had it monitoring the kitchen which is where we tend to be and then i've now turned it to point outside the window into the driveway which is just fantastic so this morning i had a notification saying oh the, the front door is open i thought oh well, just have a quick look brought up piper so not smart so smart things told me the front door is open brought up piper and it. it's a, a, a then i'll show you a lot would you like to see a live well it's going to be Black, you won't see anything. It's night time. It'll be night time. This is the worst demo ever. <laughs> so, because we're recording in the evening, but here you go, like buffering. You can't see anything now. Oh, well, I you can, can hear I, my. I can uh, see your. I can see your window. The reflection. Your window. Window. Yeah, that's not working very well. The whole reflection thing. I need to, but you can you can move it around, right? Oh yeah, there we go. That's not okay. bad. And that's yeah. the sign. Obviously, the volume's up very high there. We don't. There's nothing. Nothing going on. The house is quite quiet. I wonder what would happen if my wife's at home at the minute if I just went panic because <laughs> it's some massive, massive, huge decibel thing. So that's particularly interesting. Now, I really have liked Piper, but of course, there's a compatibility issue with smart things. If that is my standard, I don't, I'm not sure if that's my standard. The other thing I've got, now I haven't tried this out yet, it's coming, is Swan One. And that, I don't you, know that one. No, that's available in Maplin and it's a whole home security kit. You get the hub. And you get multiple cameras and little devices and, and monitoring things. That looks really, really, really cool. And it's got a heck of a lot. It looks like a fully fledged system. I don't know anything about compatibility yet. I haven't tried it. I just I haven't got it out of the box yet. So I'm going to try that one shortly. So I've been playing with Piper. I'm going to try Swan One. So you can get that mapping right now. I like the idea. That's a whole big system. And then Blanford, you're uh, Netatmo. Net- yep. Netatmo. Netatmo. Yep. How do you say it? Right. Badly. Uh, most of us, I think, we're getting it wrong, aren't we? Netatmo. There you go. The welcome camera. Uh, okay. So I think what's interesting here, because I've looked at some of these uh, systems as well, I am trying to have a smart home that talks to all the other bits of the smart home. And I've already failed in that I have um, a kind of sleep monitoring product that actually does temperature and would be a useful sensor to tie in that doesn't actually yet work with smart things. So I've been trying to create my own integration so far, not very successfully. But it sounds like your experience as well, Ewan. You can get lots of quite cool things mm. for the smart home now, but most of them are standalone and or maybe proprietary. And where they are trying to integrate, they want to be kind of the centre of things. And we haven't talked about one of the big names, which is Google Nest. I looked at that as a possible option. And actually, because I didn't want to go down the HVAC, and that's heating, ventilation, and cooling route, I didn't want that to be my centre, but there are a lot of things that now works with Nest in the same way that they are working with smart things. And it is possible to kind of buy into a particular product and have it work actually really quite well, or you can try and start connecting things together. But I would say that part of the market is much less mature. So unlike Mr. McLeod with his, I've bought some things. Wait a minute, I haven't I, finished yet. I used some things. Oh, hold on oh. a minute, I haven't finished yet. Okay, come on then. Right, so Netatomo. 
the welcome camera. Then yeah. that's, that's a new one that Blanco yeah, doesn't so seem to have thought, thought about. Well, it's basically he's bought two products the same because Piper and the welcome thing are essentially right, the same because category. Because we are evaluating them, Blanford, right? That's the point of this, okay? Right. It's an okay. exercise, right? So I don't know much about Netatomo yet. I haven't used it yet. But that does have smart facial recognition technology. So it will actually say, oh, Rafe's home. You know, it's quite nice. Very cool. I imagine that Natatomo will also function as a hub. I don't know that for a so, fact. But so I, think... I, I looked at those products and actually did some research before rejecting them because I didn't Oof. want to just buy them and just try them out. I actually put some thought in before pressing the click to buy button. Well, okay. So how do you know, right? How do you know what the best features are? Right. Okay. Look, hold on a minute. The last thing I'm looking at at the minute is the Smanos. Smanos. S-M-A-S. Manos. W100 Wi-Fi PSTN alarm system. Right. There you go. I don't know mo- much more than that. So you've just bought lots of stuff that doesn't work with each other. No, no, ben, I haven't. Listen, I haven't please, tested it yet. Please tell me that you've got some really clever integrated system and that you've actually done some DIY. And I haven't got any light bulbs something really yet. smart, Ben. Okay, so I talked a lot about heating last time around. Yeah. So I went as far as actually ordering the Lightwave RF system and then cancelled it. Right. Because I read some more reviews and the reviews were that it was not reliable enough yeah, that, that's I wanted what I did. To. But you have, you have spoiled it. You haven't won, though. Sorry? You haven't won. I think you have a case for winning if you'd gone and wired stuff up. So bear with me. Mm-hmm. So the other reason I cancelled it was between recording the last show where we talked about this and today, Google has announced that the version 3 of Nest is coming to Europe with a whole bunch of European-specific features, including support for mm-hmm. underfloor hydronic heating and... Uh, early on feature. And basically, there are two things that I said I wanted, which was one was support for underfloor heating, which we have in our house. And the other one was the system smart enough to learn that it should turn the underfloor heating off before the room reaches temperature. Yes. Because when you've stuck a load of hot water under the floor, you don't need to keep heating it to keep warming the room. So does it have to learn? So it does it once. It does it, it a says, few that's times. How we get- and it learns. And what it knows is probably that actually it'll heat up the floor and turn it off all before I've got up but that's enough to be enough warmth in the floor to actually last five or six hours. And so those two features alone are absolutely fantastic. They are new features in version three. Additionally, the European version of three, and it actually seems like they're beginning to split the product to have some European specific features in now, will also control hot water, which is a pretty routine you know, requirement for heating systems in the UK particularly, and that's not available in North America. So a whole bunch of features. So I was just hovering over the, right, Let's go. Let's let's get Nest. I made it that far because that is a fantastic set of features. But something is niggling me that, A, it's Google. And I'm not sure I want Google in my house just because I'm not sure that I trust their strategy. I want companies that I believe in the it's future. Eye roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other problem is I have lots of zones in my house. It's a relatively new house. I have lots of zones. I've got seven th- thermostats around the house. Seven? Yeah. What? Well, because every room has its own thermostat and its own separately controlled I heating. didn't know that was a thing. It's a new build, and actually it's not me showing off. It's when you build a new home to get planning consent in some parts of the UK, you have to show that the house is very green in order to get permission mm. to build it, and that's one of the things that wow. m- the people who built my home, nothing to do with me, but that's what they do to show energy conservation. We're only going to heat the rooms that you're in. So that's great, but that's going to be very, very expensive to put nests in all of those rooms your hive is is it 99 pound per zone and they only do three i think that's why i can't have hive Mm. because the hive won't support enough zones and the other problem of course is that both hive and nest have a thermostat on a wall and they'll gain the temperature from that thermostat and they might ask the temperature from other thermostats but if you go upstairs into my house it's much more traditional 
kind of build, one thermostat in the hall, and lots of bedrooms. They're all getting warm with their doors shut, and this ludicrous thing of having the thermostat well away from where the heating is. So what I really wanted was a control system where you have thermostats actually in every single room controlling the individual radiators where you have radiators so i'm now favoring and Rafe's right this is going to probably take me the whole season to choose the one i want to buy but it's going to be a an investment of several hundred pounds so i'm going to choose it carefully i'm probably going to go with the tardo system which is like nest it's a european originated product right multiple thermostats control managed heating underfloor all those sorts of things very similar apps all that sort of stuff but crucially, it also next year is going to support individual valves and individual radiators. So it has all of the features I want. And it's also a European first. But of course, there's a real appeal of getting Nest product because Nest is such a it's a brand. It's the brand. It's the one that everybody supports. So that's what I haven't done. Okay. So, okay. So I, th- I, thought, right. I thought I can't come today. Nope. Having done do something. It would be disappointing. Would be if you've just done light bulbs, that's not that good. So... I've also decided I am going to have Lightwave RF in my house for my lighting. The lighting system for Lightwave RF works brilliantly. And I've got lots of retrofit light sockets that I'm going to have. And that works, okay. that works really well. But now I've got Rafe's problem. Wait, wait a minute. You've decided. Yep. So you haven't done anything yet. That's on order. But again, right, that, okay. that's, right. a, that's a sizable investment as well. But my problem is... All of these things need to glue together. I don't want what I think you've got, which is lots of disparate... At the moment, because I'm playing, I'm yeah, playing, testing. I don't want what you've got, which Test is... Test and lo- learn. Lots of what we di- do in Agile. Lots of disparate products that don't talk to each other. And I'm going to need to think about how all these things join together. And you know me, I'm a bit of an Apple fanboy at the best of times. Mm. So I've decided... Triple the cost. My standard is going to be HomeKit. That's the Apple right. Home yes, Smart exactly. Home standard. Yeah. So... Lightwave RF is getting HomeKit integration next year. Right. So that big tick. So if you buy it now, it will get it. It will get it. Fine. But I'll come to how we fill in the gap in a minute. Mm-hmm. Tado is going to get it. And this is T-A-R-D-O. T-A-D-O. Tado. Tado. I would say Tado. Okay. But yeah. okay, fine. It's going to get it. But actually Lightwave RF also has it if it's going to do the heating yeah. system as well. Right. Nest doesn't have it doesn't have home Google, obviously. So what I've decided is I need some kind of hub, like Rafe's smart thing, like your smart things thing. Mm-hmm. So I've got a Raspberry Pi, and I've put HomeBridge on it. And home, right. HomeBridge is a bit of software that basically knows about all the smart devices in yeah. the house and makes them all HomeKit compatible. That's interesting. Okay, so basically what you do is you... Did you have to buy a Pi yourself and install stuff on it? I did, yes. Actually, I installed it on a Mac laptop to begin with, but uh, a Raspberry Pi is... quite dirty, but carry on. Well, yes, I mean, but but this is the thing. I can't have a polished commercial product that does all of the things Mm. because at best, I'm going to have to... The market hasn't made it yet. I'm going to have to have amazing lighting and terrible heating or vice versa, but I can't have my requirements met brilliantly everywhere. So I'm going to need to integrate it. And I either need to integrate it through a commercial product like SmartThings or a homebrew one. So for now, for the moment, we've gone homebrew. That's very interesting, okay. really valuable. So okay. got that. And I thought, well, I can't come and tell you about I've installed 
home bridge. So what am I going to do? So I've decided, I went out and I bought some Belkin Wemo Just Wi-Fi adapters. Yep. Okay. And I looked around, I said, well, what's the... They're ch- massive though, aren't they? No, they're quite, they're, they're actually, they've got a lot smaller recently, but of all the ones I've seen, they are the smallest you can get in the UK. And that's important because the US ones are often a lot smaller form factor. So I thought, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to home automate my Christmas tree. That's it. I'm going to have... Okay. I'm impressed now. Automated home Christmas lights. Okay. Right. But not just rubbish, tap a button on the app, turn the plug on. That's, yeah. that's rubbish. Because I can already hear your voice telling me that's rubbish. So <laughs> I said, the way to get Mrs. Smith to agree this is to make it as cheap as possible. So what's the cheapest Wi-Fi connected plug? Wemo. What's the problem with Wemo? Proprietary. It's proprietary. It's not HomeKit enabled. So got a Wemo plug. Integrated yeah. that with my HomeBridge server to make it HomeKit enabled. Did that work? Yep. Ooh. Then link that up to a HomeKit app on my phone. Which is that an Apple one or just a? Well, all HomeKit enabled apps will manage all HomeKit enabled Fine. products. So, so someone's just made one. Well, actually, I'm using the Elgato one. Elgato, um, if you probably remember them from Back. the guys. Backup. Well, they also used to do um, TV, TV adapters. I, I, I bought one of them years ago. They, Never they, really worked. But. They also do a range of smart home kit at the moment but very, very little of it's available in the uk but right. it's, it's a it's app so i'm using their elgato eve app well that's great when i'm in my house but i want to control my christmas tree from anywhere that i am well you can only do it in network well, could, well yes because it's obviously it's over wi-fi it's all oh, the see. devices see. all have right, to be right. on the same wi-fi network that's why a lot of people have the hub because it allows for out of home control exactly but of course when you've got a diy hub it doesn't allow for out of home okay. control but if you have an Apple TV... Oh, my God. This is getting really complicated. Go on. Stay, yeah. stay with me. <laughs> we've, got some, we've got some distance <laughs> to go. There's quite a lot of string going. Yeah, yeah go on. If you have an Apple TV... If you've got an Apple TV... Yes. ...and you synchronise <laughs> and you use Keychain, so you have, yeah. all, your, you have all your passwords and everything mm-hmm. encrypted and synchronised over iCloud, it will make it available to your phone over iCloud. Make what available, sorry? All your HomeKit devices will be available over iCloud. Okay, that's quite interesting and yep. concerning, yep. I think, to an extent, but carry on. Well, but it's actually the point about, of all the standards, HomeKit has some fantastic security settings. Right. Every, okay. Everything's encrypted, all the devices are PIN-coded. And if it's a HomeKit-enabled device, you can control it via an app, but you can also control it over Siri. Ah, voice control your okay. Christmas tree. So, okay, right. I'm, are you going to do a demo? Give you a little demo, yeah. Okay, go on. Turn on the Christmas tree. If this works, that'll be really impressive. Okay, the Christmas tree is turned on. Oh, that is, that is really impressive. Okay, go on, right, turn it off then. Turn the Christmas tree off. Go on. Okay, the Christmas tree is turned off. All right, okay, so kudos, kudos. Let me just explain that then. Mm-hmm. So, my voice to Siri, Siri to iCloud iCloud to Apple TV, <laughs> Apple TV to Homebridge server, Homebridge server to Wemo plug to my Christmas tree. So, Bang, live demo on 361 podcast. Impressed. Can wow. I ask how long it takes to actually go through that process? Yeah, how quickly is What's it? What's the latency like? Oh, well, um, in my, so I did some testing inside my house with the Wi-Fi turned off. So I tested over 3G 
but sitting mm. next to my yeah. Christmas tree so I could see it working. Because we just done that demo, and my wife is now going mad because the Christmas tree is flashing at home. <laughs> you try to tell her something. Yeah. When the Christmas tree flashes. <laughs> I did warn her that this was going <laughs> to happen. I will be on the train. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so to answer your question, Rafe, I tested it about 10, 15 times uh, on a couple of days because I've actually left the server up and running because I also thought well, how survivable, yeah. how reliable is it? The plug is turned off before the voice announcement has finished speaking. Okay, that's impressive. Every time. So between two and three seconds. Because without wishing to get too technical, in terms of the smart home integration, there's actually really two forms that you need to think about. There's stuff that happens locally, which generally happens on your hub or when devices talk directly to one another. You've actually got this with Nest. The works with Nest products tend to talk directly to each other. And actually with smart things, it's happening through the hub. So something happens to a sensor and it turns on a light bulb. But with sort of some of the third party products, you typically get cloud to cloud integrations, whereby it's actually going out to the cloud, talking to another cloud and then coming back into the home. And they can have some quite serious latency on them. Now, actually, I'm using cloud for the Netimo and actually it's pretty instant and because it's temperature sensitive it's not that big a deal but if you use if this then that for triggering or doing these kind of integrations which some people are using and I've used it for a couple of things but haven't come up with anything that it can only be done that way but for example the Amazon Echo which is kind of the smart speaker that Amazon come up with in the shipping in the states can be used for voice control and then doing cloud to cloud onto smart things Actually, the latency can be five or six seconds, or with if this, then that can be anything up to sort of five, ten minutes. And obviously, that kind of rules out quite a lot of applications. So it's interesting to hear that your homebrew solution is actually able to do things within a few seconds, which is good enough for something like a Christmas tree. Yeah, it, it would surprise me how quickly it works. But of course, the point is that also makes it fragile as well, because what's happening there over iCloud is a real-time connection over iCloud back to my homebrew server. So if the server goes down or if there's a connection issue, let's say my broadband goes out or something, that switching on or off is going to fail. There's no buffering of that command there. So I think we should probably maybe own up to some of the problems that we've been having with the system. Well, before you get to that, I think there's one thing you might want to look at. Have you seen NCube? I I think that might be what you need, Ben. Uh, This is an integration device. It's one hub to rule them all. Yeah. And it's I've kickstarted it. I think it was sixty nine pounds. I saw you. I saw you uh, supported this in the week. Yeah. And I think it basically it claims because I haven't seen it yet, right? But it claims it's an app and a little hub, little blue hub, that um, will work with everything. But then so actually, actually, it might be you know it might own that, everything. That's what Smart Things actually does, and it's a shipping product. It's not that different to Enqube because I had a look at that, and there are quite a lot of these products that claims to do everything. And there's a couple on software. We've actually had one of our listeners tweet to us about Muzzle, oh, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, was and good. there's a couple of other uh, Yomi, all of which seek out these sort of standard ones and try and do things, especially over Wi-Fi when it's detectable or Bluetooth. But the thing about smart home is actually there are a lot of competing standards, which is one of the problems we've come across. One of the reasons I went homebrew is because to get the best integration at the moment, you need people who are prepared to basically hack other people's standards. Mm, you know? yeah, so a yeah. lot of this stuff is working because enthusiastic amateurs have sat down and reverse engineered the protocol or worked out how it works and implemented it. And in one respect, that makes it the most flexible, but in another respect, it makes it very fragile Just as well. Just to work. I, I, I really want service level. And that fragility is actually a good point because smart things, as I alluded to, has only been launched sort of six weeks now in the UK. 
And there was a problem whereby OAuth wasn't working for authentication with cloud to cloud. So that ruled out quite a lot of services. They fixed that. Then presence sensors weren't working. So the key fob that Ewan talked about only started working sort of properly and accurately sort of four or five days ago. So I'd actually created some routines to get around that, which is great for the flexibility of the system, Mm. but it does feel like it's a bit of a beta product. And actually, this is an experience, if you read the reviews, that's very common in the smart home space, that things will fall over unexpectedly for what feels like to the consumer no particular reason. But it's often because there is an app component, there's a hardware component, and there's a cloud component, and any one of those fails and the system will stop working especially on the automated stuff where it's not someone doing remote control, which is quite easy to make work. As soon as you start getting the thing to make a decision for you, it does get a lot more fragile. And I think it'll be really interesting when we all live with our systems, you know, for another month or so to see how that actually pans out. And I know I've created problems for myself by the way I set things up but also the fragility of the system was a bit of an issue. I don't want to ask you about the problems, but I have to fess up that I did not discover most of what I discovered. I've I've been reading and reading forums, and there's a a chap I know called Ben Dodson who I have to credit with giving me the initial idea for the HomeKit Wemo solution. Uh, But there's some fantastic write-ups out there, and I'll link those in in the show notes. But actually what amazed me is how well HomeKit just worked because that's the apple thing though isn't it it is but all the actually all the reviews says it's horribly fragile and when it doesn't work it just completely goes to pot but when it does work and the iCloud syncing the recognizing the devices the turning things on and off the status back reporting because that's the other problem with these devices is you don't just want to give them a command you want to know what state they're in Mm. and if a device is home kit enabled you don't need the hub because the device, your iPhone, talks to all of them directly. You don't need the hub. You only need the hub when you do things like what I'm doing, which is basically making fake devices on a network that then pass on some other protocol to other devices. So Wemo isn't HomeKit enabled. So I need a little server that kind of creates a fake switch that then proxies on the commands to the Wemo. So mine worked quite quickly, but I am stuck to a Raspberry Pi and all the fragility of that. Rafe Blanford, I am intrigued. I've only ever had a bad experience with motion sensors. I'm the guy who stays late in the office and all the lights turn off because I don't have to jump up and down every 15 minutes. So so come on, fess up. You have to be quite careful with the way you write the routines to do things. Do you? Yes. (laughs) uh, And you find yourself getting increasingly complex. And one of the ones that I misconfigured, and it took me a few days to sort of sort it out, was there was a particular motion sensor in the hallway that every time I walked past it, it would play a weather forecast over my sonar system, which I was actually quite proud of because it was a useful thing to do. But it did take me quite a long time to discover a little switch that said, only do this once a day. I love, yeah. the, I love the idea that you go up for a, go to the toilet in the small hours of the morning. It's, it's raining outside. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so it, and there's been a couple of examples of that because I've now been playing with it for a couple of weeks since you know actually buying it and installing it. I mean, there's partly the thing about I want to install more sensors, but there's actually a cost to doing that. But there's also working out what works best. And actually, not surprisingly, it varies between you know, weekdays and the weekend. And I've actually ended up taking rules out and simplifying things down. And so the thing that actually is giving me the most value is actually the lights turning on automatically when I get home. That's really nice. And then in the morning, having them turn on gradually and then at night, just turning on but dim to a lower setting. So I'm, I'm talking a lot about lights, but 
That's because it's the delegated decisions. It's doing things based on where I am in the house and what I'm doing, and that's most useful. The remote control, honestly, I haven't really used that very much. The only thing I've used it for really is the variable, if you like, which is when I go to bed, it's press the good night function and that will switch off all the lights oh, around the house. I really want that because that's nice. I, as I, so in our house, if I look out of my bedroom window, I can actually look down onto the roof of our kitchen because our kitchen right. is a single story piece out the back of our house. And you stand out, you look out the window, you think, God, what a beautiful view across the fields as the stars twinkle. Oh, I've got the bloody kitchen lights off. And, and then I've got to go out down yeah. the stairs around, and I left one light the far corner of the kitchen and I want a good night feature. Yeah. But actually, Ewan, um, the other thing is I have a theory now that Rafe is trained like Pavlov's dog now that because after several weeks every time he goes to the toilet he hears a weather forecast if we play a weather forecast now he's going to run out to the bathroom yeah it does feel a bit like that but this function and actually grouping things together is definitely one of the values of smart home because you know traditionally we're used to doing a switch and i'm sure we've all got that kind of good night routine where you switch off the tv the stereo various things like that but having everything on a, a single switch and then as I mentioned, this gentle wake-up alarm switches it into morning mode, and that morning and night mode are essentially the two discrete functions I have. Now, there's also an away mode where basically nothing will trigger. But that's great because, as I say, you have the lights on them, and it doesn't play the weather forecast in the middle of the night, which is a real benefit. But now I have become <laughs> slightly obsessed by wanting to tie things in into this system, and I sort of do look enviously at some of the kind of the standalone products that allow you to do more mm. and... For me, I've gone for this particular hub. There is Nest, which has the Nest Cam, and you know, they use the Nest Protect as kind of presence sensors and things like that. So there is a choice to be made. And there's also, if you read some of the you know, smart automation, there are still proprietary systems that you put in kind of from the get-go. And that's actually the only way to achieve this full automation without you know extensive work. And it feels like such a complex space. Honestly, I feel like I'm really struggling to make the smart decisions. And, and Ewan, I mean, look, I'm not averse to spending money on tech when I think it's going to do a good job for me. Mm. But I keep looking at these things at the moment and thinking, I actually only want to buy the surface-mounted, stick-on, temporary, removable, you know, kind of easy alternate. Like the like the smart. That's the reason I like well, smart, smart things. things. They have got that consumerist yeah. thing I, working. But I want to do that because this stuff is iterating so quickly and it's changing so quickly that I wouldn't want to be buying a whole home fit Absolutely. system. I mean, if I if I was in the position of saying, you know, right, go and rip the walls up and put mm. wires in and sensors, and I'm not, believe me, you know, that really is a long way away from where we're at. I don't think I do that now. It's because too immature. I'm, it's too immature. And, and even if you put wires in, so, you know, our house is relatively modern and it has a little bit of, of internet, you know, Cat5 wiring in the walls. But even three years after it's built, the wiring doesn't go behind the tellies because nobody thought you'd want inter interconnected tellies. Yeah. yeah, the wiring goes from the place where the phone line is to the office. Mm. So, of course, because you want to connect your office to the internet. And so... It just shows how short-sighted and, and any kind of physical installation just makes me think that's a big commitment and I want to be absolutely certain it's going to be useful for a long time. Right. And it was really interesting. You talked about HomeKit and you said 2016 and actually that's the big thing about HomeKit. It basically isn't here yet. No. It's going to arrive next year and much the same can actually be said for Google's Thread and Weave, which is kind of their overlying thing on the top. And there's actually Nest Weave, which is kind of a subset of that, which is getting there. But 
2016 is a good time to start looking at this stuff, but I would suggest the time to start making investments maybe later on. If you're doing it now, you're definitely going to be that early adopter. It's the equivalent to buying one of the first smartphones, frankly. Yeah. And and I demonstrated the Siri integration there. I mean, even for an Apple product, it's really clumsy. I have to pick the name. So Christmas tree, in my example, was the name of my Switch that turns yeah. the Christmas tree lights on. But I have to be really careful that I don't pick a reserved word. Siri has a hierarchy of things that it will do. And if you pick the wrong one, it'll just do the wrong thing. Or if you get the syntax wrong. So when it works, it's fantastic. And you can learn you know, what works and what doesn't work. But it's very, very immature at this stage. Also, if you have a partner that obsesses over wires, as I do, when I put the Piper system in the kitchen, she, what's this, she says? So I was, we're just we're just demonstrating just demo. What's the, 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 the wires? Because it needs to be powered, and she, I think she'd be happy if it just sat there on its own, but not because it's plugged in. We've got for some reason we in this new kitchen we've got plug sockets, but you can't use them. Yeah, <laughs> right. We, we have so that. we don't have a kettle because it has to be a smooth worktop despite having these plug sockets, which now are redundant. Well, when I have the opposite thing, which is I showed this voice activated mm. Christmas tree to my wife, who was you know kind of really not at all impressed. It was like, the button is just there. You could just press, uh, uh. just press it. But now she's taken, every time I leave a light on in a room I'm not in, she walks around the house and says, oh, is this one voice controlled as well? Could you turn it off? <laughs> so, yeah, the wife sarcastic factor has, has ramped up. So just very quickly, because we're over time, it's, we've gone long this week, what are you going to do next to win the, the Smartest Home Challenge? I'm going to look at uh, Logi, L-O-G-I, which I saw in Dixon's Tax Free. Which is a little camera, again, sits in the kitchen or your place of living. And one of the things that really caught my eye was daily summaries. Yeah. It will give you a, a little summary video of what happened that day. Ray Flanford. There's two things I want to look at is actually logging over the longer term some of the sensors so I can understand the kind of behavior of my house and then start to make better decisions around some of the routines. And I do quite fancy the idea of having some kind of um, camera in order to get live security type stuff. And then it's just adding more sensors, both present sensors, but also the contact sensors, which open close. And I want to actually take a few things and turn the smart home and make it not so connected to the digital world. So perhaps have a cube sitting on the table that enables me to switch the lighting scenes or to turn on a certain playlist, things like that, that make it more acceptable to non-techie users. And frankly, there is the whole, it's expensive, but adding additional components like having another Sonos so that it works between multiple rooms, which is something you want to do with Sonos anyway. But once you start automating these things and having stuff triggering when you're doing things or something happens, actually makes you want it more, which is a bit of a problem. So I'm going to have to watch the budget very carefully indeed. Yeah, I'm wary of adding more devices because every time you add a device, you find you're working around the bugs of two systems or three systems and you always get the lowest common denominator. So there's two things I want to do. One is I'd like to add Sonos into the Homebrew system that I've built because Home... um, That must be compatible. Homebridge will front up a Sonos system, but it's still very immature at this stage. But I really want to turn on, when I turn on the Christmas tree, I want Christmas music as uh, well from the Sonos. What, the whole day? I've got to, well, just, just when right. you turn it on, yeah. you know, just for the, the effect when visitors come in. You know, Siri, make it Christmas time, you know. <laughs> and uh, the other one is, and I don't know if you experience this, Ewan, is where I live, we're very rural. I have masses and masses of power cuts, like literally one a week at the oh. moment for several hours overnight. And what I want is to see if there's any smart home equipment that's for emergencies or during power outages. Because, for example, what I would really like 
would be for lights that can be switched on when they lose a Wi-Fi connection or something like that, like a security or exit lighting or something like that. Interesting. There's actually quite a few smart light bulbs will turn on having a battery inside them when they actually lose power. And so something, something like that in our hallway, just so to give you time, because we're all set up, we've got the torches, we've got the standby kit, it's all quite normal. You've got a generator. We haven't, but that actually might become it's the next episode. That might become the next step. But I just want, so just some sort of slightly left field sort of emergency sort of uh, stuff, because I've got UPSs and all those kinds of things coming out of the, my ears. And so, you know, all the important stuff has got batteries in it that last for hours and hours and hours. But next thing is smart home stuff that responds well to power failure. One final thing I'm going to do, I've alluded to how difficult it is to know about all this stuff and there's important stuff coming down the road. I'm going to go to CES, which is the biggest kind yes. of trade show for consumer electronics, and I will report back on what I think will be the big smart home things for Very 2016. I'm not really expecting to see stuff I'll be able to install, but I think it'll be interesting to see what the big trends there the year are. Of smart you know, home. Will this be the year of smart home? I was there last year and it was definitely present and building wasn't worked it? with Nest, but I suspect it will be really stepping up this year. So I'll report back in a future episode. Okay, well, we've gone really long. Apologies for that. Hopefully, as you recover from your turkey coma, you don't mind uh, listening to us a bit longer this week. So I'm feeling pretty positive. I think I'm uh, definitely making a good case for Smartest Home, having been, I note, the only one to give a live demonstration on the show. I'm well, just I saying. can switch my lights on and off now if you need. No, no that, that ship has sailed. You've missed your boat. As ever, thanks very much for listening. You can find us at 361podcast.com. You can leave us a voicemail there or you can email the show. You can get us at 361podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a lovely new year and the rest of your Christmas break if you're on your holidays. Uh, If you're back to work, sorry to hear that. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.